Modern life is crazy busy. Power your midlife energy with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. Delicious, keto, and intermittent fasting-friendly. These bars help women manage weight and energy during all stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code KD10. Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. Have you ever experienced the phenomenon of buying, say, a red car and then seeing red cars everywhere? Or maybe mulling over the idea of getting bangs, and then everywhere you look, it's women with bangs, bangs, and more bangs. Ever since I launched a podcast to spotlight amazing women who are thriving in midlife, everywhere I look, magazines, social media, the news, I keep seeing women who are knocking it out of the midlife park. My guest today is one of those women. I first saw Angel Cornelius, the founder of beauty brand Maison 276, on the cover of the digital magazine The Pro Age Woman. With her stunning silver hair and electric smile, she jumps off the page. But it's the story of her improbable pivot from hospital administrator to beauty brand entrepreneur at the age of 57 that had me hooked. If you're a fan of It's Never Too Late and You're Never Too Old stories, stick around. This show is for you. Welcome, Angel. Well, thank you, Katie. Thank you so much. Uh, I am thrilled um, to share my journey with you and uh, um, a certain age community. And uh, yes, I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. Well, I'm, I'm so delighted you said yes. I'm really excited to dive more into you, your work. Uh, I love a good founder backstory. I know you went from mixing your body butters in your home kitchen with a KitchenAid mixer, right? (laughs) (laughs) To launching and bringing this beauty brand into the world. You're now sold in national retailers like Macy's. You've been featured on the Today Show. Walk us through how this happened. Honestly, uh, this very improbable um, and never could have um, written this story myself. Uh, journey started as a child. Um, my mother discovered my first silver strand. I was so young, she was still combing my hair. And so um, over time, this hair and I just grew up together. Um, when I was in college, I had a little streak that most people thought I had bleached. And so, you know, just over time, it became what you now see today. Um, and so I'd always been a bit of a DIYer with beauty products long before that was a term, long before that was a term. I would buy products off the shelf, not just for my hair, but also for my skin. I would add other ingredients, just kind of cocktailing it until it worked for me. And so um, in my 50s, when I decided to just start creating products from scratch, as you you know would have it, it really wasn't something new for me. Um, I just had the internet that now to actually help me source plant-based ingredients and, you know, really looking for something for my hair because by then it was very much, you know, what it is now, predominantly silver and salt and pepper. And I I'd always struggled with products for my hair. Um, as you know, most of the products on the market for silver and blonde hair are the purple shampoos and when you keep adding color to colorless hair, you get what I affectionately call old lady blue hair. And that's actually, 
<laughs> and I love that reaction from people because I get it from both men, women and men because they immediately know what I'm talking about. Yes. And that just is an indication of how pervasive the problem is and how the industry has just not bothered to innovate for this particular category of consumer. She's just ignored. It's just like she's just going to buy whatever we put out there. And so I was really just creating products for myself, solving my own personal pain point and uh, looking for something that was clean, didn't have purple dyes. So I could create something that I could use every time I wash my hair instead of this, this, you know, journey of trying to figure out what to use when, when to use the purple stuff, when to use the regular stuff. And that's really, that was the impetus for me just you know, getting this KitchenAid blender that I still have, mind you, and buying a set of pots just to mix these concoctions um, in my kitchen. And that that's really how I started. Yeah, I love this, the fact that you uh, created a product for yourself and then you recognize that there's this enormous need. I have I have blonde hair, which I'm just going to confess that I actually pay for. And um, so I am familiar with purple shampoos. And yes. I have to monitor when I use them. And, you know, it's it's a pain in the neck. And I, I like I try to make sure I'm only doing it twice a month just to make sure that it, it's not becoming overly purple. So I, I, I think that a lot of women who are listening to the show can identify with that pain point that you refer to. So how did you go from mixing this in your kitchen and then, you know, getting it onto the market? I, I believe you started off with Etsy. Is that correct? And then how did you make the jump into these bigger retailers? Was it easy or hard? Oh, no, it's it's. It is hard. It not was. <laughs> it is hard. And I always want entrepreneurs, whatever the, the industry or the category, to know it is hard. And, and the struggles and challenges that you have, they are just a part of the journey. And don't think you're doing something wrong because it's hard. It just, in fact, is hard. But I, I my friends discovered that I was mixing beauty products because what happened was I had a lot of leftover raw ingredients like shea butter, coconut, jojoba, lots of oils and butters from making the hair care products. And I realized that I could make skincare products with the same things. So those were the, the skincare products were the, from the leftover raw ingredients. And my friends inadvertently discovered that I had something when they saw me using it one day in church. And um, and I had to create an Etsy store just to sell products to my friends. And you should know it took a lot of convincing. Like it wasn't something that I it wasn't a light bulb moment. Right. When somebody said, oh, I want this. And I said, sure. It was just like, no, I don't have time for this. I have like a real job. <laughs> you have I a real job not... and, and, and kids and like a whole life. And yet, yet you managed to make this happen. Yeah, and now in true confession, I was an empty, we were empty nesters when I started this journey. And I'm and I always say for me as an entrepreneur, the empty nest stage was perfect, the perfect time in my life, because frankly, I don't know where I would have gotten the hours from, like had I tried to pursue this and still have mommy duties. Like I, I know there are a, a countless women that are doing it. And let me tell you, my hat off is to them. I frankly don't know where I would have found the hours in the day. So for me, 
being a, an empty nester was the perfect time to start this crazy, <laughs> unlikely journey. Yeah, I love um, I and- love that, Angel, because we have a lot of women that come on this show, and there's there's a poignancy around empty nesting. There's a poignancy around having your family dynamics change, but there's also an opportunity for a lot of people. Oh, you know, yes. to have that extra time to say, you know, maybe I'm going to launch that business, volunteer more, start a creative endeavor, and I and I love that you looked at the the you know the free space in your calendar and created something new for you. Yeah, it, it was just the perfect opportunity for me, you know, even though I didn't have, interestingly enough, I'd said like, oh, when our daughter graduates from college, you know, I, I kind of had put myself on this timeline of I'm going to transition to a new position. I wanted to do something creative. Uh, I didn't want to be anybody's boss. Like I had nothing in mind, I had just like planted this seed, like I'm going to do this thing five years after she graduates. Having no idea this was going to be the thing. <laughs> but that's, I, such I, a gr- I, that's such a great story because you don't have to know what the ending is going to be to get started. Right. It, it just seemed like a fun thing, right? That to just kind of like plant, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be different. And it's not going to be something where I'm on call 24 hours a day or anything like that. Who knew it's the same? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. This is like being an entrepreneur is a 24 7 situation. And I need every listener to know that Angel is uh, not on Eastern Standard Time and very kindly agreed to get up super early with me to, to record this show. So, I, you know, I know how much work it takes to um, bring a product to market, whether or not, you know, you're bringing physical products, I'm bringing a podcast. You know, it, you, you have to really nurture, nurture these babies. Yes. And it's, it, like, it's that's exactly it's a baby. It, it is a baby, and and I also really adore the fact that you shared that the the launch of sort of your signature body butter was really a waste not want not moment where you were taking the uh, ingredients that you had from your you know your sort of personal hair care products, and then you you really developed a signature product. So for our listeners who doesn't who don't know what the difference between a body butter and a body lotion is, can you walk us through that and what and what your products offer? Right. So the the biggest difference is that lotions have a very high level of uh, water content. Um, If you look at the ingredients on any lotion compared to uh, body butter or balm, you'll see water is a lot higher uh, in the the ingredient list. And that was the what actually started me with my whole DIY journey, even when I was in my my 20s, because of that very high water content, I was always having to reapply moisturizers. And that's why I would cocktail them together, because I wanted something that would keep my body moisturized throughout the day, as opposed to something that I would have to reapply. And also, you know, I'm a girl of the Gulf Coast, um, born and raised in New Orleans. And if you know anything about the Gulf Coast, it's super humid. (laughs) And so, you know, always wanting something that kept me moisturized, very emollient and concentrated, but not sticky. Yes. And that is what I was solving for uh, once I started creating the body butters. Um, But to answer your question, about how I went from Etsy to um, retail. It, it was a very interesting journey. Um, I got a call from a family friend who, a friend of my son actually, um, who had been hired from Birchbox, the original beauty 
box subscription program, a pioneer in that area. And she had been hired away from Birchbox by Essence to curate their beauty box program, Essence Magazine. Sure. And so she had been using my little kitchen creations when she visited my son in New York. And uh, uh, so she called me and she said, hey, Miss Cornelius, you know, you know, I've been using your body butters. I really love them. I think they're great. I'm here at Essence with this new project. I'd love to introduce you to the editors. I can't make any guarantees, but, you know, we really want to focus on female entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs of color. And I was like, yeah, sure, because for me, you know, a middle-aged woman, Essence is a very iconic um, cultural um, platform, not just a magazine, but very much the voice uh, of women of color and where you are used to seeing yourself portrayed in a very beautiful, uh, feminine, powerful way. And so I was quite honored that I even had the opportunity. And so a few weeks later, she called me and she said, hey, you know, we love all the, we like all the products, but we really love the pomegranate kiss body butter. So we'd love to feature that in the beauty box. Now I'm in my office. I'm taking the call during lunch when the clinic is closed. And I said, sure. Um, sure. I, I absolutely. I'd be thrilled to, to participate. What do I have to do? And she said, well, first of all, we'll need at least 10,000 units. Oh, and my I was gosh. just like, oh, <laughs> M. G. And fortunately, <laughs> there was no Zoom because she couldn't see the look of complete, you know, I want to say horror, but just like, <laughs> oh, my, on my face, because I was still making products in my kitchen. This was still like, you're like, I'm going to need a much bigger mixer. I need a right. huge this mixer. Is still like a passion project. Now, of course, I had be I I definitely was you know had more sales. I had moved from Etsy to you know a, a more traditional website. By the way, that I had built myself, but <laughs> and I, I I just thought like, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into? Angel, we, just... Angel, I love this story so much. We are heading <laughs> to a quick commercial break, but when we come back from it, I want to hear how you found that bigger mixer. Absolutely. <laughs> At a certain age, we love dry humor, but dry skin, no. Dry skin is one of the most common complaints of women as we age. Why? Because our skin naturally starts to produce less oil and our estrogen levels drop. And less estrogen equals drier skin. At Carrie Grand Skincare, they believe that we don't need more products as we age, we need better ones. With natural, oil-based ingredients, focusing on health and hydration, not youth and perfection. Carrie Grand is dedicated to giving our skin the nourishment it needs. With a simple three-step ritual, you'll see the difference a few essential products can do. At Carrie Grand, they use only the best organic, naturally derived, and non-GMO ingredients. This woman-run company is also sustainably conscious and hand-pours all their products in Seattle. Exclusively for a certain age listeners, you can use code KD20 at checkout to receive 20% off plus free shipping. That's K-A-T-I-E-2-0. Head to Carrie Grand today. That's K-A-R-I-G-R-A-N. Your thirsty skin will thank you. We're back from the break. Uh, we headed into it learning that you received this incredible phone call from Essence. They loved the pomegranate body butter. They wanted 10,000 units. How did you deliver on that? 
I honestly had to figure it out every step of the way. It was a nine month process. You know, they wanted it in three months and I said, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so I'm very grateful that they were patient and understood like where I was at that point in time in my entrepreneurial journey and giving me the time and grace to, you know, fulfill the project. Um, and so I, I honestly, it was just Google research, Google research, calling manufacturers, because while 10,000 seemed daunting to me from a manufacturing perspective, Katie, that's actually not a lot of units. And so it's very difficult to find some a manufacturer that's willing to take a chance on someone that has no manufacturing and fulfillment experience and that will actually work with your formulation as opposed to selling you a white label. A white label product is a product that the manufacturer creates and he sells, he or she sells it to literally anyone who wants to buy it. And the only difference is the label. And that's why in beauty, oftentimes women will say, well, I've used these three different products and there's absolutely no difference. I can't tell the difference. It could be that it's actually the same product with a different label. Yeah, and that's absolutely. because that's what white labeling is. We've had a lot of beauty experts on the show, people who've, who've created beauty brands. And I, I've heard this common theme that that oftentimes with the very, very, we're not going to throw anyone under the bus, but some of the very right. big labels that you see in drugstores, you know, the products are all essentially the same. And it's really people like you or it's people like Alpen Beauty or it's like Care Beauty that have really honed in on their special formulations and, you know, um, we have Carrie Gran, who's been on the show. She has her own um, sort of plant-based oils, too. You know, you're really mixing up unique formulations. So it sounds like you were able to get somebody to to craft the pomegranate body butter the way it needed to be, to be mixed. And was that was Essence the launching pad for getting into the bigger retailers or was that still a slow climb? It was still a very slow climb, honestly. Um, so once we launched <clears throat> the pomegranate kiss body butter, and eventually um, we had to deliver 15,000 units, when I started going to different beauty events, I started getting invited to these events. So <clears throat> I would go to events on the weekend because I'm still working my, my full-time job. And I might go to something in Atlanta or New York, very strategic locations where I knew that I had a base, um, a small base, a small though it be. And so, but I was selling the skincare products because that was the product that people knew that I had. And I, I wasn't selling hair care products at the time, but something really interesting happened that I noticed each time I went to a place, the vast majority of the vendors, regardless of the size of the company, small indies and large conglomerates, the women behind the booths, behind the tables, inevitably were 20 year olds. They looked like my daughter. I was one of very few middle-aged women in these venues, no matter how big or small. And what would happen was a lot of the middle-aged women would be drawn to the table. Yes, one, because they saw someone that looked like them. <laughs> Women of all ethnicities, all hair textures and types. And yes, they love the pomegranate kiss body butters and the other skincare products that we had. But eventually the conversation would turn to my hair and, and general beauty questions. Because here's the thing, middle-aged women actually don't want beauty advice from their daughters. 
We want advice from peers, from women who are experiencing the same changes in our bodies, in our skin, in our hair. Like that's where we want the information. We don't want information from from 20 year olds. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree. And so the conversation would always turn to my hair and people would say, well, how do you get your hair to look that white? And, you know, can I touch it <laughs> with permission? Yes. Oh, it's so soft. I wish like if my hair looked like that, maybe I wouldn't color it. And I, I immediately realized, oh, I may be a unicorn, but apparently there are a lot of unicorns <laughs> and I need to produce a hair care product. And so that's actually what made me realize the product that I was still creating in my kitchen for myself, I needed to bring that to market. And so our what is now our hero product, the Maison 276 three-step system for silver and blonde hair, is actually based on the products that I created in my kitchen to take care of my own silver hair. Um, and by the way, we want- we know they work because if you know, everyone needs, um, you know, obviously when I the show drops, there'll be images that support it. There'll be show notes. Everyone needs to stop listening and go look at Angel's hair, and you're going to be like, I'm buying what she's selling because you have stunning <laughs> silver hair. And I do know that um, that that women are interested in cutting out dyes or perhaps feeling more authentic or embracing their age. I've done, a, you know two episodes on, on going gray. They've been very, and going silver. They've been very popular. People are curious about this. And the very first guest I ever had on this show is a woman named Dr. Anita Sadati. And uh, she's a gynecologist. She delivered JLo's twins. She's, you know, she's a great, great um, champion of women's health. And after listening to the episode I did called, um, where I featured Katie Goes Platinum, she stopped coloring her hair and she's now a wow. beautiful silver. You know, because wow. women are looking to sort of step in to sort of maybe more authentic uh, midlife beauty, and they need tools. What's your take on that? Right. I, I know you said you went silver when you were very, very young. Your first strands came when your mom was still combing your hair and that you had a, a very cool streak when you were in college. But when you went fully silver, what was your experience um, from your peers and sort of the larger culture about having the silver hair? Yeah, because, you know, it's really interesting because that was before we had social media where, you know, now there's this, you know, millions of women globally that that are there to support you through your journey. But there was a interest. Interestingly enough, like growing up the whole time I was growing up, like my hair was not a thing to family or friends or it was just like, oh, that's this that's angel. Right. right. <laughs> you know, and so it was always it, something that I was very comfortable with. But something really interesting happened in my mid 30s when um, my second child, our daughter, was born and it really kind of came in with a vengeance. And uh, um, I had a friend tell me, you know, oh, you really should color your hair. You're much too young to have silver hair. And that was the first time anyone had associated my hair with making me look older or not adding to my just my own personal beauty. Right. And so very shortly after that, I'm with my baby pushing this carriage and this friend happens to be with me. And this woman says, oh, is that your grandchild? And I was so mortified. I thought, oh, my goodness, this is really make me look older. And so I actually and I, and I share this with women because I, I don't want them to feel bad about 
because at some point in our life, we all question, are we doing the right thing? Yes. And so at that point in time, like the friend looks at me and she goes, see, I told you. And I thought, (laughs) oh, my goodness. (laughs) And this is someone that is very close and that I know loves me. Yes. And so those two those two experiences back to back made me question like what I was doing and what I was embracing. And I actually colored my hair. And the moment that I did it and I looked in the mirror, I knew it was a mistake. And when because did you, I, and when did you make that transition, you know, transition back to your more authentic hair? It took a long time because I couldn't like once anyone who colors their hair, you know, like, yeah, it's so hard. Like you can't undo it. You can't undo the thing. And for, you know, maybe four or five years, I, I colored it and just I couldn't figure out like how to get from under this. And every day I woke up feeling like I was wearing a hat. And one day I just cut it off. And this was before social media. This was before the term, the big chop was a thing. I just cut it off. I couldn't stand it anymore. And it just grew my hair out. I had a very short, you know, kind of like pixie cut or whatever. And um, it was so short, I was actually going to my husband's barber <laughs> to get my hair cut. <laughs> That's how short it was. Oh, my gosh. I love until, it. Until it grew out. But, you know, and, and I share that, uh, not because I'm embarrassed about it, but it's just kind of how women, it's throughout our entire life at some time, at some point, it's like the pressures of society to conform, whether it's how you look, how you dress, what you do for a living. Like so, there's so many pressures that women have that frankly, men just don't. They don't. I agree. And I share that, like, yes, even I, even me with this, you know. Yeah, you're a silver hair evangelist and you're, you know, you're you're somebody who who creates products that allows women to have gorgeous silver gray white hair. And yeah, I love that you shared that, you know, at one point you you too struggled with what, you know, whether or not that you should be rocking your your, your natural color. Do you feel that um, beauty has become more expansive um, as you know, in, in this moment in time that we're living in? Or, or or do you feel that I feel like it's become more expansive, but maybe it's simply because I'm surrounded by, by gorgeous, you know, m- more mature women? What's your take on that? I think it has become more inclusive and expansive, but I think that is because there are indie brands and indie founders across every spectrum of both beauty and fashion that do not want to be bound by the old guard of what beauty is, what fashion is. And I think the proliferation of indie brands has really um, been responsible for the inclusivity and expansiveness that we see. Um, There is still a lot of anti-aging Yes. Um, uh, rhetoric. Yes. A lot of messaging. Um, you know, a lot of the larger brands still talk to us as though it's their job to fix what they believe is wrong with us. And I think when you see things like uh, phrases like anti-aging, wrinkle reduction, or when the only time you see a middle-aged woman, um, in an ad, it's for a medication, 
Right. Exactly. Um, and so, yes, we've come a long way, but I think we have a long way to go. And I, I think it is the outsiders, you know, like myself, I don't come from beauty who see the problem and decide to fix it themselves because we've given you decades to do it. And uh, We've we're just we've just decided as indie founders we're we're going to address it ourselves, and and provide platforms like this, products um, and opportunities that allow women to be their authentic self in whatever way they define that. Absolutely, I love that, and I think that you you really hit the nail on the head when you talk about this sort of rise of indie brands because. There, there is something for everyone uh, out there, and you, you know you don't have to. The gatekeepers um, that that sort of dictate what, what, how women age and the products that they're they're given. You know that some of those gates are falling, and and it's the indie brands that are at the vanguard of of this sort of more inclusive uh, movement. And I I love that that Maison Two Seven Six is leading the charge in this. I have a question for you. I mean, we talked about Essence Magazine. That was a big mm-hmm. win. You've been in O Magazine. I know you won QVC's Next Big Find. Uh, you know, on, these are these are highs and these are big wins. But entrepreneurship is not all you know, glossy magazine <laughs> coverage and wins. You know, have you had any particular failures that you've had to struggle with? And is, is there anything that you've sort of learned from uh, in that that moment of you know possible failure? Yeah, you know, I. I... I like to call them learnings. <laughs> yes, um, that's. I like that reframe. Right, it's not a failure. It's right. Right. You, it's it's like you either win or you learn something. Right. Sometimes you know you can. The, the great thing about for me about starting sm- small, like the boots on the ground, like you are the. I like to say the stilettos on the ground. <laughs> is that? Is that you get to have that one-on-one truly? personal relationship with your customers. And I like to call them the Maison 276 community. And if you talk to your community, they will tell you what they want. They will tell you what they don't like. Um, And you have to be open to that. And sometimes you can be going down a road that you think is important to your community and you realize that really wasn't important at all. <laughs> and so um, I, I think, you know, even missteps, um, like maybe, you know, you really think this is the next product launch and they're like, no, actually we want this other thing. Um, I, I think that's all beneficial and I think it's all helpful. And it's a lot better to learn those uh, lessons when you are when you're a young emerging brand and beginning to scale, as opposed to, you know, it's a lot easier to learn something at a 10,000 SKU level than a hundred thousand SKU level. I right? bet. I, I, I so, bet. Yeah. It, it's a lot easier to pivot. And so um, I, I just, yeah, I, I think I, I look at them as learnings, um, not failures um, and, and, and embrace that embrace that um, and embrace the difficult messages. Like a lot of times, you know, as, as an emerging brand, you don't, particularly if it's involved with any type of manufacturing, there are so many different 
people and partners that are a part of the process that you have no control over, whether it's the raw ingredients, whether it's the transportation partner. As you grow, your partner base expands and a lot of things you don't have control over. And so I remember um, a few Christmas seasons ago, um, we thought you know, one of our hero products was going to be available. And it's a product that people use um, to purchase gifts. And it was not. And so, you know, we had to send the emails out that said, you know, we're sorry, this product won't be able to ship until January. And I mean, it was one of the hardest communications that I ever had to write because I just envisioned it like something horrible happened happening. And like nothing horrible happened. <laughs> People were patient. They waited till People January. Were, it was just like, oh, okay. I really wanted it for this. But like, okay. And so sometimes we create scenarios in our head. Yes. That actually just aren't true. They, they aren't true. Yeah. We're and telling so ourselves be- a story that get us, you know, upset and in, in, in a lather. And it, you know, it doesn't always have to be that way. These learnings right. that you talk about, is this something that you could have learned when you were younger? Could you have brought Maison 276 to market when you were younger? Or did it take getting to midlife to make this happen? I'll just, for me, I think it's all the perfect time. Um, my experience, just my lifetime experience. Um, you know, there's so much that I know that I, by the time I was in my mid fifties, um, I mean, I'm, I'm 60 now, 62 now, but just the accumulation of life experiences. Um, I, I honestly believe for me, this is the optimal time. Um, I don't think I was mature enough um, to have created this type of product. And not just it's not just the product, it's the messaging and 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 the strategy of of going to market because I understand at this stage in my life all the ways that the market has not given me what I need on on so many levels, whether it's products, whether it's representation, whether it's the messaging. And so coming to it from a place of wanting to give other women the things that I feel like the mar- where the market is failing us. I love that. I love that. You, you you've you've stepped into the breach and you are offering these these wonderful inclusive products. When you just like spend time on your website, they sound incredibly yummy. It's just it's this wonderful thing. And I love that you shared that this was sort of the perfect time for you. Angel, we're going to be moving into our speed round. Our, our time is coming to a close, which makes me sad. I'm always, when we get to the end of the show, I'm like, I could keep going, but we are- we're I know, not- I didn't even talk about QVC. <laughs> exactly. Maybe you'll come back. Maybe you'll come back and we'll do it again. Yes, uh, for sure. But I do want to do this I, I, quick question. So this mm-hmm. is our speed round. It's one to two word answers. Launching Maison 276 was- Exciting. Exciting. I love it. Yeah. Okay. This one's going to be easier. Body butter application in the morning, night, or both? What's most important is that when you do it, is that right after you shower or bathe, because you want to lock in that moisture. 
And so you need to do that as soon as you shower and bathe. So if you're a morning shower, after you shower, after in the morning, if you're a nighttime shower or bather, after. To me, that is the most important thing to lock in moisture. Good advice. Okay. So the Maison 276 product that you personally cannot live without. The three-step system for my hair. (laughs) Your products, as I said, are all yummy with amazing names and ingredients. Pomegranate, oatmeal, honey. What's a grocery cart staple that gives you beautiful skin? Coconut oil. Love it. Silver hair care question. Daily shampoo, yes or no? No. And it's not just for silver hair. I think Many women over shampoo their hair, which is why they it's dry. Got it. Okay. So be be cautious about when you're shampooing. I right, saw right. on your website that you had a quote that says you're intentional about self-care for both physical and emotional health, which includes doing things that make you happy. You say it's not vanity, it's sanity. What is <laughs> yeah. what is keeping you sane these days in terms of your physical health? What are you doing? Um my Peloton. <laughs> nice. And what's keeping your emotional health sane? I take breaks throughout the day just to do breathing exercises. It's it, it's like 60 seconds, but I do it about two or three times a day. Um, and it really helps center me when I feel like I'm getting anxious working through a particular problem or, or issue. And it, it really, it really centers me. It sounds simple, but I recommend you try it. I love it. And, and, and breathing is so critically important. I love the fact that you use it to center yourself. Okay. Finally, Angel, your one word answer to complete this sentence, as I age, I feel. Free and Free. boundless. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. This has been such a blast. You're going to come back. We're going to dive into QVC. But before we wrap this particular show, how can our listeners find you and Maison 276? You can find us online at Maison276.com. And that's spelled M-A-I-S-O-N 276.com. The brand name is inspired by my New Orleans roots. Maison is French for house. And 276 is the street address of the house where I grew up. Oh, I love it. And you can also find us same name on Instagram and on Facebook. Thank you, Angel. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Join me next week when we gear up for holiday fun, fashion, and gifting with Netta Jones of Liberty Road. And be sure to visit our new sister account over on Instagram, Age Out Loud. We want to feature your Age Out Loud story. If you believe your age stands for something, head to Instagram at Let's age out loud and share your story at the link in bio. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties. Beauties.